0: Squatties.
1: Welcome to this week's episode of the Travel Squad podcast. Today, we're airing one of our most popular episodes from the past three years.
2: We have hundreds of episodes now, and lately we've been replaying the most well-received and listened to episodes, and you all have been loving it. We're going to keep giving you what you want
0: and give new squaddies the chance to hear past episodes without having to go digging through the archives.
1: New episodes are still launching every other week while classics like this are airing in between. Enjoy Enjoy the the show, show
0: and happy Happy Travel Travel Tuesday.
2: Tuesday. Welcome to the Travel Squad Podcast. We're four
3: friends that grew up together in the same small town. We followed each other to San Diego, and now we adventure the world together.
1: One passport stamp at a time.
3: We're here to share our travel stories and inspire you to go on your own adventures. Even if it starts with your own backyard. I'm Jamal. Brittany. Kim. And I'm Dana. And And we're The Travel Squad Podcast. So grab your tickets. Your passport.
1: And don't forget your travel insurance.
2: And prepare for takeoff. Hello fellow travelers.
1: Hey everybody, Hey,
2: welcome to episode 42 of the travel squad podcast. Today we are taking you to Japan,
1: Japan, the land of the rising sun. Japan is such an amazing country from the metropolis of Tokyo, Kyoto's classical charm and Osaka's foodie paradise. Japan is filled with tons of culture and history and should be on any travelers bucket list destination.
3: We took a 14-day trip to Japan, so we're going to break this down into two episodes, okay? So we went to Tokyo, Kyoto, Osaka, Hiroshima, but this episode, we're solely going to be talking about Tokyo and the magical charm.
0: And this was not a full-on squad trip because I, Kim, did not go. This was mostly Brittany's family, the rest of the squad went, and our friends Ryan and Kasha that we've talked about many times before. We missed you though, Kim. I was
1: going to say boo on you, Kim, for not coming.
0: You know, I'm really sad that I did miss it because I absolutely love ramen, but I'm not that upset because I heard it was really cold on this trip. It was
2: really cold, but it was still worth it. It was. You
1: just need to embrace the cold, Kim. Embrace (laughs) the cold.
0: Okay, so since
2: I wasn't there,
0: what are some tips I should know for when I do go?
2: So when you do go, the biggest tip I have for you is to stay at a place near a metro, whether that be a hotel or an Airbnb or anything else staying near the metro is essential. Tokyo is so big and there's so many different districts within Tokyo and the metro is really reliable and it can pretty much get you anywhere. So I do recommend staying near a metro spot so that you can get to all of the destinations you need to get to in Tokyo. And at some of the stations or at the airport, you can buy a metro card and that can get you unlimited access for 24, 48, or 72 hours. And it's an unlimited card for tourists to get around to any destination for a set price.
1: Yeah, it's a flat price and you pay depending on, again, if you're gonna do the 24, 48, 72 hours. And I would definitely recommend picking up the card at the airport when you arrive. Tokyo has two airports, so each airport will have a location where you can pick up those cards. If you go into the city itself and try to get it, only very few stations have it, so I don't want it to be a situation where somebody goes and they're not at the appropriate station to pick up that card. So definitely just pick it up when you're at the airport before you go on out, and it definitely makes a lot of sense. And again, if you stay away from Tokyo city center in terms of a hotel, It's going to be a lot cheaper staying on the outskirts of Tokyo. And with the metro, you don't need to stay close in the city and spend that extra money for a more expensive hotel. And that's exactly what we did.
3: I'm, in fact, jealous of Japan for how amazing their metro system is. Like, I wish San Diego had something even comparable to that.
2: Even New York. Like, Tokyo had really nice bathrooms in their metro stations. Super
1: nice, super clean.
2: On. The metro, not no. on the metro, but inside every station we went to, there was an accessible bathroom and with a bidet. Wow, <laughs> and they were clean. Like it wasn't grungy or smelly. It was legit. Like we looked forward to going to the bathrooms in the metro if we had to go.
1: Well, that's another thing about Japan. Not necessarily in the tip section, but they are a very clean culture in terms of not littering and they take their going to the restroom very seriously they have like the seat bidets seat warmers on the toilet it's amazing
3: this is a little bit of a sidebar but do you guys remember when we were in the metro station and we were in line for the bathroom and there was someone in the handicap bathroom and she passed out and so britney screamed ryan we're gonna need your manpower and he totally colton underwood jumped (laughs) the bars and went in to help, like, carry this lady out. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. someone passed out in the bathroom. Wow. But you know what? It was a good bathroom to pass out in. Do you have to pay for the bathroom? You do not have to pay for the wow. bathroom yeah, at the station. And then
2: are there any homeless people in Japan? No. We didn't see any. Wow. And we didn't see anyone in the metro stations that looked to be homeless either. So speaking of the metro system still, one app that you can use to navigate the metro system is called Tokyo Subway Navigation App. And this app is essential while you're in Tokyo because you can either input station to station if you know which stations you're going to. But if you don't know what station you're going to, you can put in destinations or landmarks So for example, you can put in, you need to go from Tokyo Tower to the Ginza District and it'll tell you what stations to start from and what station to exit on.
1: Yeah, I really like that feature about it because if you're not really a local and especially don't know the language, you don't necessarily know the station names unless you do super, super like dedicated research, like, okay, look at a Google map, find out what station is close to this, see the name. So in some instances, we did know the station names from a little bit of research, but that landmark feature is really, really clutch because you know what sites you wanna see. So you could put in those sites and then it just arranges the appropriate station for you based on that really clutch, really good.
2: So another tip we have is to buy the JR Rail Pass in advance. And the JR Rail is different from the Tokyo Metro because it is a train rail. So like it has some of the high speed trains and some local trains. And you do have to buy this in advance if you were a tourist. It actually has to be delivered to you in your home country. You can't pick it up in Japan. And they sell it in 7 day, 14 day or 21 day increments at a really good value.
1: Yeah, we ended up buying it for the seven days and the price that we paid for a seven day was equivalent to the price of one train ticket when we looked from like Tokyo to Kyoto. So you definitely save a lot of money, but it's only available to tourists. Japanese citizens can't purchase this. So purchase it online. It gets delivered to you at your home, but it's not even your official pass. It's really a certificate that you have to redeem at the train station for them to give it to you and it's matched to your passport number so definitely don't go to Japan and think you're going to buy it there you really have to purchase it ahead of time to get your certificate to redeem
0: and how long did it take to come in the mail from
2: the time you ordered it online
1: I think maybe four or five days
2: yeah it was definitely within a week yeah but it's something that you need to do in advance. You don't want to wait till the last minute to buy it online because if it doesn't have time to get delivered to you, then you're screwed.
1: And one other thing that I do want to say is we purchased this, but because Tokyo has such a good metro system, we really didn't have to use any of their bullet trains or regular regional trains that they had within Tokyo tokyo except for when we were leaving to go on to our next destination so don't redeem it at a train station until you're actually going to use it because the moment you redeem it that's when your day period starts whether it be the 7 14 or 21 days it's right when you redeem it so if you redeem it and don't use it for three days you've already lost three days on it
2: exactly and one app that we can recommend for using the jr rail pass is called Hyperdia. And this app tells you the train times. It even tells you what platform you need to get on while you're at the train station and it updates frequently. And also because the JR Pass isn't valid for the two most high speed train systems, you can filter that out in your search so that you're not looking at those specific trains and you're only looking at the trains that work with your pass.
3: Yeah, and just to repeat that, that's Hyperdia, H-Y-P-E-R-D-I-A. Yeah, and we'll include that in the
1: show notes just as well, but definitely good call on that one, Zana, letting people know so that they can search it. But one thing to note about the Hyperdia is the app only works if you have Wi-Fi or data, which brings us to our next tip, which is to buy the pocket Wi-Fi.
0: I had never heard of a pocket Wi-Fi, so tell me what it is.
1: So a pocket Wi-Fi is a small little device that gives you data mobilely. It's pretty much the size of a pager, if we all even remember what pagers are. Huh? But basically, a small, <laughs> just imagine it like a small old flip phone back in the day. But it's not a flip phone, but that's pretty much the size that it is. And you carry it with you, and it gives you a mobile hotspot wherever you go. So you can pick this up at the airport or it can actually be delivered to the hotel that you're gonna stay at if you do it, but you can purchase the pocket wifi from the JR Rail Pass website. So on there, they actually have a link. So you can tell them I'm landing in this airport or that airport, or I'm staying at this hotel. And it's really convenient because they also give you a prepaid envelope to drop it in a mail slot to actually return it. So you can choose how long you want it for, however many days. They obviously have a set amount of days. Maximum, I think it goes up to 121 days, but I don't really think anyone's going to be spending that long in there. But in terms of the cost, super cheap, definitely a lot cheaper than going to your mobile carrier and telling them, I need mobile data. It's so, so cheap. How much did we pay for the 14 days? I think less than 100 bucks, right?
2: Yeah, I think it was less than 100 bucks. And you can connect more than one phone or a device to it. You can connect up to five. Of course, if you connect the maximum five, it's going to slow the speed down. But Jamal and I did purchase it. And we were both able to stay connected at all times, use it with us. And the website that we use was the JR Pass website to buy this from, and we got a portable charger with it too. So the battery on it runs low during the day, but it came with a portable charger. As long as you keep that up, you're fine for the entire day. Had you not had the pocket Wi Fi,
0: how difficult would it have been to navigate, or was it easy to get Wi Fi in restaurants?
2: No, it would have been very difficult to navigate the city without pocket Wi Fi. Were the signs in English as well? Some of them, yes, but a lot of them, no.
1: I mostly saw signs in English when we were on the Metro, but in terms of other signs throughout the city, not so much at all. But on the Metro, yes, but definitely need that pocket Wi-Fi. It helps you navigate with your Google Maps. It saves you from having to download it offline. But even so, it'll help you with bus routes if you wanted to take buses, too, because, again, you have Google Maps. You can use that. Definitely came in handy and if you want to do translation you could use that pocket wi-fi for your translation app so it makes a lot of sense to have it and in a place like japan i would definitely recommend it
3: a major shout out to Brittany because she manhandled the entire thing
2: yeah i did all of the itinerary research i did all of the bookings for everyone i would recommend the hotel everyone would then book after i did the recommendations i would say i think we need the pocket wi-fi and then i was the one to purchase it and do all of the research behind everything that we did for this two weeks yeah.
0: by the way, one One of the things that we're thinking about doing for you guys listening is we have these amazingly built out itineraries that we would love to share with you, but it's a little bit of work for us to finesse it into a presentable piece. Of resource for you guys. So if you're actually interested in having our detailed itinerary with where we stayed and the bus routes we took and how much things cost and all of that, do us a favor and comment on our Instagram at Travel Squad Podcast or email us, travelsquadpodcast at gmail.com, and just let us know if you're interested. And if you are, then we will get moving on creating those itineraries.
1: Yeah, and I'm really excited to get into the meat of this episode and talk about our trip, but there are a couple more tips. I do want to go over before we get on and talk about exactly what we did in tokyo and one of them is tokyo and japan in general for that matter is a cash-based society that's not to say at hotels you can't pay credit card and do other things in certain restaurants but a lot of restaurants are literally like hole-in-the-wall shops that fit maybe seven to ten people at a maximum seating capacity And so those places don't really take credit cards. A lot of the dining options, it's only cash. And as a matter of fact, they use vending machines for you to place your order, which gives you a ticket and then you give it to somebody and then they prepare it. So just Mm. definitely keep that in mind. You know, and I'm not saying that there's not sit down restaurants that don't accept credit cards, but not as many as you would think. A lot of the dining establishments, again, small and you order from a vending machine. It's quite crazy. I wasn't expecting anything like that. But it's unique and it's enjoyable. But if you're prepared and understand that, then it's not going to be an issue.
2: So our last tip is in regards to toilets, because we can't get through an episode without talking about a bathroom or toilet experience. It's Brittany's favorite part. <laughs> and <Zanus. laughs> And in Japan, they are crazy about their toilets. Like some of the toilets we came across are heated when you sit down. Ooh. Some of them play music wow. when you're in the stall going to the bathroom. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> and then... <laughs> like, (laughs) It's an experience. (laughs) It is an experience. They take
1: their bathroom seriously. Like I loved it. I've looked to see how much those toilet seat warmers cost with the bidets because they have built in bidets that'll spray and clean you and they cost anywhere between $800 to $1,000 and I'm ready to spend that money on it. It was luxury. I've never
0: been more interested in having
3: a bidet in my house. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Luxury. My coworker, Jimmy, he actually got one for him and his wife as a wedding gift and so he doesn't know what to do with it.
1: I'll buy it off
3: of
2: them. Yeah, use it. I'll
1: buy it off of them.
2: But one of the tips that we have in regards to the toilet is there is a button because it has a bidet on it to clean you and it'll squirt water out. But you can, if you're a female, there's a specific button for you if you want it in the vaginal area or if you had a bowel movement there is
1: so professional with the bowel i I believe you have it
2: written here as puss or tush i wasn't (laughs) the one that wrote that i'm pretty sure looking at the show notes zaina wrote puss or tush i think it's jamal
1: no no it wasn't (laughs) me but one thing i do want to say about that though it's absolutely crazy not that i used it on the puss portion (laughs) But from what I heard from the girls, it's crazy because clearly you can say, do you want it for the front or the back? And it doesn't matter. Apparently, the girls were telling me how far back or forward you sit on it. It's like it has a camera and it knows exactly where to spray right on target like every time, like it doesn't miss, which I don't know how they created something like that, but it's so unique. Apparently, it's on target all the time, regardless of if it's puss or tush okay? Yeah.
3: <laughs> but you know what, Kim? Okay, I got to tell you a funny story because when we first landed in Tokyo and we went to the restrooms, I went into my stall and I'm like, Ooh, look at that bidet there. So I hit it. So it hits the puss and the water just, <laughs> it just kept coming. Right. So I'm sitting there and I'm being and patient. Like, okay. I'm clean enough. I'm waiting for it to stop. And I'm like, okay. And then finally it gets to the point where this is really awkward. Like, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how much water is going to come out, how dirty they think I am. But in any case, finally I look over. Camera? I know. (laughs) (laughs) and I realized there's a stop button and so I was like oh I have to push stop so I push stop and it stops and I'm like okay because like I said it was really awkward there for a moment so then I finish up and I go wash my hands and as I'm at the sink Brittany comes out and I'm telling Brittany that like it got really awkward because it kept coming out and the exact same thing happened to Brittany so there is a stop button
1: Button. And that's the tip push stop.
3: Yeah, push <laughs> stop. starting
2: curve. And the water <laughs> is warm, so it's really nice and refreshing. And again, you can do it to the vaginal area if you're a lady or the anus if you're either male or female or puss or tush, like Zane and Jamal refer it to. You know, when I saw it on the show notes, the first thing that I thought was,
3: <laughs> fucking Britney, man. She's so funny. But I don't know. Maybe it was me. Who knows? <laughs> Jamal, for sure. Uh,
1: maybe it was me. I don't know. It's going to be the new mystery of who put the extra pair of underwear on there. Who put puss or tush? We
2: know the underwear was you. (laughs) So getting right into it, we did not stay in the heart of Tokyo. We actually stayed on the outskirts because we wanted to go to Tokyo Disneyland. Do you recall the neighborhood you stayed in?
1: Yeah, we actually stayed in the Kasai district, which is outside of Tokyo and closer more to Tokyo Disneyland. But again... Right on a metro line, one of the main metro lines to get you into downtown Tokyo area and close to Tokyo Disneyland just as well. So that's the region in which we had stayed there. So there was a purpose to it, but I would definitely recommend it. Cheaper hotels and very easy to get around. Again, goes back to our tip, stay close to a metro station.
2: And it did have free breakfast, the hotel we stayed in. But you know what? Free breakfast in other countries? It's interesting. Take me through the spread. Kim,
3: they had potato salad. For breakfast.
1: And mac salad.
3: Okay. I think I have seen that before.
1: And weird boiled eggs. And
3: hot dogs. What? Their eggs were not the eggs that we're used to. I mean, they're eggs, but they taste differently. And the yolk was orange. Yolks are always orange. Mm, It was a different kind of orange. It's like a more of a bright, deeper orange. Jamal kept trying to convince me they were duck eggs.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They might have been duck eggs. You love your duck. They weren't (laughs) weren't big enough to be duck eggs. They tasted different. I don't want to say bad, but they definitely just tasted different. And I don't know if it's because they're more organic over there, not organic, just different types of chickens. I mean, I really don't know. All in all, it wasn't a bad breakfast. It was just definitely different because they had again, mac salad, potato salad for hot breakfast. Dogs. Like, Well, they weren't full-size hot dogs. They were like mini hot dogs. little mini hot dogs <laughs> and stuff. And so it was definitely interesting, but I will say this. They had a lot of breads out and they were sweet breads. Like they had a chocolate stuffed bread, croissants and other Croissant. type of things. So those were actually pretty good as a matter of fact.
3: Okay. So for me though, there was a Seven Eleven across the street and that was a saving grace because I appreciate the free breakfast, but I wasn't a fan of it. So I would go and Kim, it was so interesting because Seven Eleven has a cold section and they also have a warm section. So they had warm coffee in glass bottles. And so I would get one of their coffees. What? Yeah, it was like a lot. Latte, a warm latte. So instead of grabbing a cold one, like a Starbucks Frappuccino that you would here in the United States, they have a warm section where you pull out a warm latte, Frappuccino. Yeah, it was delicious. So just
2: think that when you're in the beverage section and everything you pull out is cold, they have the glass window kind of thing. But everything in that refrigerator, but not refrigerator, it's actually a heater, is warm.
1: Yeah, and that's another tip that I forgot to really kind of mention. They take their 7-Eleven seriously over there. (laughs) They're like Starbucks here in the United States on every corner, and they have lots of different stuff. You know, here it's either like nachos or hot dogs from a 7-Eleven. They have fried rice packets. They have hot stickers other types of like chicken satay or things like that so i would wake up every morning and just get snacks for the day and i definitely would do that for my morning coffee i would get one of the hot beverages in a plastic bottle and i absolutely loved it so if you're not staying at a place with the free breakfast buffet don't want to really find restaurants you can definitely make do with what you find at 7-eleven
3: I would get the coffee and two pork buns. Oh, they're so good. Oh yeah, they have like little
1: pork buns, super good.
3: I think you can even probably Google Japan 7-Elevens and you'll see all the interesting food concoctions that they do have. Tell me about prices though. Cheap. Very, very cheap. How very, much was a pork bun? I think like less than a buck. A
1: dollar, dollar fifty, maybe, Ooh. depending on the size. Because they I, had large or small.
0: And yeah. I have heard Tokyo and Japan in general is expensive.
1: You know, I feel like that's a real big misconception. I heard that too, going to there and maybe like in terms of living and other stuff, but in terms of hotels and food, I found them to be normal American prices. I really, really? didn't find it to be that expensive.
2: I think that total On average, we paid no more than $125 a night per hotel. For the whole thing split between however many were in the room, right? No, like that's a nightly price. Oh,
3: wow. But here's the thing. The hotel that we stayed at in Tokyo was super tiny. How tiny we in. Okay, so you walk (laughs) in, and as soon as you walk in, to the left is the bathroom, and then all of a sudden, the bedroom is right there in front of you, and it's so tiny that you have the bed up against the wall. And when I tried to get down and do push-ups, I couldn't because my elbows would hit the wall to my right and the bed to my left.
2: Less than 250 square feet. But I do want to say this. This is another really good tip. When you are booking booking for one person or three people, don't expect the same size bed as you do get in America. A lot of the times they will give you twin size beds. So if you are saying you're booking for one, you'll either get a twin size bed or a full size bed. You're not getting a queen or king. Did you and Jamal have to sleep in a twin size bed? In one of the rooms we booked, we actually got, I think, two twins.
1: Yeah, that's one thing I was going to say too. Even if you say you're two people, you would think like here, oh, it might be like one queen or king or something like that in the United States or other places, it's not uncommon for them to give you two twin beds if you say you're two people. So when you make reservations, you really kind of have to specify. And I love how we were just talking about how we we're going to get into our day. And yet now I feel like we're still giving tips. That's such a good thing to mention because Japan is just so unique, but in a really good way and an enjoyable way. And again, if you know these things going into it, it's going to make your trip a lot smoother too.
3: What I really loved about every single hotel that we stayed at is they had robes, house slippers and. shoe horns what is a shoe horn oh my goodness they're like the devices that go on the
1: back of your heel to help you like just slip on your shoe without really having to go down and touch (laughs) it or anything like that so every place had robes every place had slippers yeah i love a robe it was really nice
2: yeah so let's get into our first metro experience
3: Woo-wee. Okay, so we get to the metro right next to the hotel. And it is crowded. Like you see a metro go by and legit, not even exaggerating, you see someone's face squashed up against the window.
1: You could even YouTube videos where you actually see police officers or platform station workers who help push people into the train so that it can close. So it's really crowded during rush hour. But I want to say this. Shout out to the Japanese culture. So respectful. You know, we talked about when we were in Mexico City or even if we're in New York, you know, when the doors open, it doesn't matter if you're going in or out. It's a free for all people push. They are so respectful in Japan. Everybody who's on has the right of way to come out first. Everybody, once they come out, then you go in. Everybody on the platform is waiting in a straight line and there's order to it. So it's super, super respectful. And it is crowded on the train itself. But everyone as crowded as it is, is completely respectful of your space. It's really hard to say and imagine, but really as crowded and cramped like a sardine you are, everyone's respectful of your space.
3: We made a rookie mistake. Okay. So there was Brittany, Jamal, me, Deja, Brittany's niece, Brittany's mom, Kasha, and Ryan. So that's seven of us. And it was so crowded that we thought there's no way seven of us are going to fit into one cart. So let's break it up into like four and three. And this is the station that we want to go off on. So we waited a few times because like it was just so crowded and we were a little intimidated. So finally we jump on a car and then we realize all seven of us could have fit into one because even though it doesn't look like there's any room, I promise you there is. I mean, people are going to have their faces up against the window. People are going to be all on top of you, but there is room and they will make the room.
1: I can't wait to actually post one of those photos and we will do it on our travel squad Instagram here because we took photos as hard as it was while we were on the subway, just seeing how cramped we were. So be on the lookout for that. We have those photos.
2: And I felt so safe too. Yeah, I felt so safe. And then when we did split up, I could get a view of Deja or Cash and Ryan and I would nod to them when it was like the next station to get off at. So we like had a system of how we were going to do it. But once I realized like how easy it was to get on them, once we learned the system, we were all able to get on together. And
1: it's crowded during rush Rush hour hour in Tokyo, but Outside of rush hour and working hours, it's still crowded, but it's not as like cramped like sardines. So there is space, but just again, during rush hour, really, really crowded.
3: And be respectful. Give seats to elders because there are times where you are going to be able to get seats. And if an elder comes on, just stand up and give it to them. In fact, you can say, what is it?
1: Dozo after you. I use that a lot with the old ladies and flirting with them when I was in Japan. You and your old ladies. They loved it. They They loved loved it. it. (laughs) Giggle,
3: giggle, giggle, man.
1: (laughs) But so that was our first metro experience starting our day off. And the first thing that we did was go to Sensoji Temple. Now, it is a free entrance, so it doesn't cost anything to go. What is it? I'm getting to it, Kim. Tell me. getting so excited. (laughs) Well, one, again, it is free, but it is an ancient Buddhist temple located in the Asakusa district. Now, just so you guys are aware, the Asakusa district in Tokyo is actually one of the oldest classical Tokyo districts. Even like before pre-World War II, it just still has that classic feel in that urban metropolis. But this temple, again, is an ancient Buddhist temple. And they also have a Shinto shrine there. And just because I learned this when I was in japan and as much as i love history i was dumbfounded and it makes so much sense just so as we're moving forward and talking about the places that we go a temple is a buddhist thing if you hear a shrine it's a shinto thing and shinto is japan's indigenous religion and obviously we are all familiar with what buddhism is so buddhist temple shinto shrine so they have two of them there, and it is one of their most famous ones in Tokyo to go to, and really, really amazing to see. I loved it, and it's really famous because it's also said to have some of Buddha's relics there. And if you guys aren't familiar with that is, as Buddha's ashes. Because when Buddha, the original Buddha, originally passed away, they gave his ashes to his followers and it's been divvied up all over the world. So they have some of his ashes at that location.
3: And they also have candles there that you can light
2: and say a prayer for. And as you walk up to the temple, there's a whole bunch of traditional shops and restaurants and you can get little eateries or little souvenirs Along the way. And in front of the temple, there's also a place to wash your hands before you enter. So it's just like such an experience, and it's such a really respectful and cultural thing to participate, especially on day one.
1: Yeah, I really enjoyed it, and like Brittany was saying, they do have the vendors there, and I did a little bit of research on that temple after we had visited, and they were saying that the vendors that are there, and again, they sell all sorts of things from, you know, traditional, like, geisha folding out fans to street food, other types of souvenirs, those vendors are still there because they pay homage to the original street vendors that sold to pilgrims in ancient times when they came to visit the temple and the shrine. So they've been there literally for centuries selling stuff, but originally it was to pilgrims and now it's to tourists and obviously still worshipers who go there more for spiritual purposes than anything else.
3: So from there, we went to the Tokyo Tower, not to be missed. It looks a little bit like the Eiffel Tower, but it's certainly not. It's 1,092 feet, and it's the second tallest structure in Japan. It was pretty amazing.
0: You totally sound like one of those hop-on, hop-off bus Narrators, (laughs) to your left, the Tokyo Tower, (laughs) sitting at one thousand
1: one hundred fifty-two feet. One thousand ninety-two
0: feet, Kim. Oh, (laughs) she's the expert, not me. But you know,
1: it was really cool. It it does look a lot like the Eiffel Tower. Like if you didn't know any better, it looks exactly like the Eiffel Tower. The difference is instead of that boring color that the Eiffel Tower is, Tokyo Tower is bright orange and white. But it's truly a structure to support antennas at. the top for Japanese broadcasting so it's not really anything that's aesthetic it actually serves a purpose but you can go up and get amazing 360 degree views of Tokyo and that's exactly what we did in there so when you go they have two options that you can do you can buy tickets either for the main deck or a top deck now the main deck is in the middle and it stands at about 492 feet and it costs roughly 900 yen at the time that we went to get into the tower which roughly converts to about dollars and 30 cents damn
0: that's a steal yeah, oh, yeah it was wow. a steal. or
1: you can go to the top deck which is 820 feet high and it costs 2,800 yen which is roughly 25 dollars and 80 some odd cents so definitely a lot more expensive to go to the top but I think from the main deck you get amazing views and I don't necessarily think it's worth the price difference to go to the top unless you want the novelty of it because flashing back to when Brittany and I were in Paris and we went to the Eiffel Tower. We went to the top, we went to the the deck right below that, and there really wasn't that much of a view of difference when you're that high, it doesn't seem like it's that much higher from one level to the next. So I don't see it as worth spending it to go to the top.
2: The highlight on the main deck for me was there are places where there is a glass floor where you can stand on and see through to the bottom and see how far down the drop would be. So that was amazing to see, and then also on a clear day you can see Mount Fuji, which was great because we actually were able to see that while we were there. And we were able to see Mario
3: Kart racing. So that is a thing. People do Mario Kart racing through the streets.
2: (laughs) So
1: Nintendo was created in Japan. Uh I don't know if you know that, but it was created in Japan. So they take Nintendo and Video games in general, like real seriously over in Japan. It's like part of their culture. <laughs> so they have places in Tokyo where you can dress up as Mario, Luigi, Princess, Bowser and get in little go karts and drive, drive around the, the, city. the city as if you're playing like Mario Kart, <laughs> like on Nintendo, but in real life. So as we were walking to the tower, we saw this people so dressed cute. up in Nintendo <laughs> outfits and just playing Mario Kart in Watch real life on the streets bananas. of Japan. <laughs> yeah,
3: we did pass on that, but we saw it. Oh, I wish you guys would
2: have done that. Yeah. we <laughs> as
1: we were walking to the tower but I would have loved to do that
2: and after we were done with the tower you know Japan is famous for their unique cafes like they have cat cafes owl cafes we saw ones for corgi cafes bunnies mini pigs but what most mini in- pig cafe yeah. yeah
1: and what these are is like you literally oh go to sit with and pet and play with these animals you know you can feed them you can pet them it's supposed to be some sort of like relaxing therapy with these animals
2: oh, yeah. so we just Decided, the seven of us decided that we were going to go to the Hedgehog Cafe and hang out with the cute little hedgehogs. That the,
1: is so cute. The only hedgehog it's I've adorable. ever really known is Sonic, and let me tell you something—I've <laughs> never really seen. I mean, you've seen them in Nature Channel documentaries or other things like that, but to see one and hold one in person, I thought that was like really, oh. really unique. It was cool. So, at least at the Hedgehog one, you know, and I'm sure it's similar with all the other ones because we've looked into doing other ones. You could either do it in thirty-minute to one-hour increments when you go in, if you pay a little bit more, you can actually get stuff to feed them. So we ended up doing the 30 minutes with Food, which cost about one thousand six hundred yen, which translates to roughly about sixteen dollars, but it also came with a free drink when you did that from their famous vending machines. You could get sodas, you could get hot tea, you could do whatever. But again, non-alcoholic. It, this non-alcoholic. is for you, not
2: the hedgehog.
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but not
2: alcoholic <laughs>
1: But but the food is for the hedgehog, <laughs> yes. so you can feed them and whatnot. They're really really cute. So
2: we got one of the fattest hedgehogs I've ever seen. He was like a big rolly. Holy, and all he liked to do is sleep and like lay on his back he was so cute it was like
3: sonic on quarantine
2: break
1: yes <laughs>
3: Ooh, too soon
2: so you do have to wear gloves while you handle the hedgehogs so you have to like wash your hands before you go in you have to wear special gloves while you hold them and um all they really do is they just like burrow up and sleep in your palm while you hold them <laughs> that's adorable it yeah really that,
1: the hedgehogs were cool we did that one specifically because our knee Deja, she really wanted to go to one of these cafes they even have a cat cafe here in San Diego. I know Me you, and Brittany have gone. I was going to say, I know you and Brittany have gone to one. So since cat cafes are more popular here in the US and Brittany and I have a cat, we're like, eh, I don't want to go to a cat, even though that was the original. I would have loved to do the owl. I think the owl would have been really cool, oh, yeah. but I was ooh, I was definitely ooh. happy with the hedgehog and that was really, really fun. What if and
0: they had a pygmy falcon cafe?
1: I, <laughs> would have, oh. I would have died for the pygmy falcon. <laughs> and this goes back to our things. To do in San Diego episode <laughs> that we had, and listening to Zoo as one, they had a pygmy falcon. It's like a bird of prey, but pygmy man. It was like a couple inches tall. I couldn't even believe it. I would have Mesmerized. died. Jamal's a quote: "Pygmy falcon."
3: That's right, buddy. I'm admiring you.
1: I was, but I was also admiring <laughs> that hedgehog in the cafe. So when you go to Japan or Tokyo in general, definitely check out any one of these cafes. It's definitely unique and definitely something very cultural that they're famous for.
3: Did you have
0: to reserve a time before or you just kind of walked in? We and- walked in. Okay.
1: There was a wait, so we did have to wait. They are popular. I don't know if some of the places do do reservations, but the one we did, we were able to walk up, but we had about a 10 to 15 minute wait yeah, before it's not we too bad. were in. It but like bad. I said, you do it in 30 minute to hour long increments, so people are coming out every 30 minutes truly, you know, at that mm-hmm. point. So it won't be too long depending on what time you show and up
2: basically you get a sitting area and you have this little i would equate it to like a little play area for these hedgehogs that each group gets and there's a few hedgehogs per group so there's not just one hedgehog for each person you get like five in front of you and then you guys can switch off on like holding them so after we played with sonic and his friends we <laughs> went to shibuya crossing And Shibuya Crossing is one of the busiest crosswalks in the world. It's multi-intersectional. So there's probably like seven, at least seven different intersections. And everyone is walking across to cross like in any direction at one time. So when it's your turn to cross or when it's the time to cross for the people, everyone is just going in every single direction to manage.
1: So you say what, Kim? I heard that. I gu-
2: Seven different ways. Yeah. To so
1: I guarantee you, you've seen Shibuya crossing in a movie or any TV show that shows Tokyo. Because, you know, like in TV shows, movies, like when they show kind of the city, they do little flashes of famous places. Shibuya is always listed in them. It is a famous shopping district area. And so when all the crosswalks are going, it's all directional at the same time. So it's not like, oh, there's a four-way intersection and you know you can go one way but not the other like everybody's crossing at the same time busiest intersection and you're just in a crowded mass doing it and it's really unique and there's a Starbucks across the street and you can go to the top level and actually watch it from above gives it a bird's eye view it's actually really really crazy we walked through a couple intersections ourselves to go do it it's more novelty to see but it's definitely uniquely Japanese and I would highly recommend going to Shibuya just to see it and it's a cool shopping district so if you want to see neon lights and all that stuff that japan's famous for you definitely will see it at shibuya
0: that is what i think of when i think of tokyo It's almost like new york times square
2: lights everywhere billboards that's shibuya
0: people.
2: yeah that's exactly shibuya it's times square new york on crack <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing
3: wow. so
2: we did cross it a few times and then we went to the starbucks across the street we went upstairs and we just people watched for a good 15 minutes or so just did you buy anything at starbucks Starbucks or just went for the view? You
3: can go in just for the view, but squad tip, it's going to be crowded. So it's not like you have a guaranteed spot there at the window, like you're behind people because everyone's going there to get that good view of the crossing.
1: And like I said, there's such an orderly society. So when it says don't cross, nobody's like crossing or doing anything. But as soon as it turns green, like in seven different directions, because multiple streets are intersecting in that area, everyone's just like mass crossing to the right, to the left, straight ahead, caddy corner. It's crazy.
3: I mean, you'll see a unicorn before you see a jaywalker. Yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so from there, it was getting pretty late in the day. We went to the Ginza district and we went to this district specifically because it has lots of boutiques and ritzy cocktail bars and sushi bars and we wanted to go out for sushi for dinner. Hakazan?
1: No hakasan, no haka-san. <laughs> but how can you go to Japan and not get sushi? So we were like, Ginza district is famous for it. Let's go over there. And we found one particular restaurant and I forgot what it was called now, but it's so popular that the wait they told us was going to be two to two and a half hours wow. long. So we decided not to do that. And we found another sushi place in that area that we went to and where we went irrelevant because there's tons of them around, I wouldn't say one's any better than the other necessarily.
2: So one thing I want to say is before going to Japan, Jamal had been talking up a storm about, oh my <laughs> God, I can't wait to try fugu. And fugu, if you guys don't know, is a which is safe to eat as long as it's prepared correctly because it is toxic and it can kill someone. And you wanted to eat this so badly
3: because... In fact, you have to be certified <laughs> to even be able to make the fugu.
1: Yeah, you have to do like so many years of schooling to cut it because if you cut into one of their organs when you're dissecting the fish or anything, all the toxins come out and you can definitely die. And the way the toxin kills you is it really paralyzes you, you can't breathe, you can't do anything. And if prepared it's a slow it, death. Yeah, if prepared incorrectly, you for sure will die and it is regulated that the emperor of Japan cannot even eat fugu even though it is a national delicacy because of the risk (laughs) associated with it. But not a lot of people die from it. The amount of people that die from it is because people have home cooked it themselves and aren't officially trained. I don't think anybody within the past 50 years has died from a chef who is classically trained and licensed to be able to sell it. So I wanted to eat it just because it's a Japanese delicacy. It's like really famous over there.
3: And it's cheap too. It's not like, like Jamal and Brittany paid $5 for a fish.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. So Jamal has been talking for weeks, maybe even months about how much he wanted to try (laughs) the fugu. And we finally get to a restaurant That has it on the menu. So Jamal's like, oh, yeah, I'm ordering this. I can't wait. Bam, fugu, fried fugu. Can't wait to eat it. Well, you
1: could either have it as sashimi style, you know, which is kind of raw, or they will batter it and fry it. And so the restaurant that we went to offered it fried. So Brittany and I got it. And as we were getting there and ordered it, I mean, I'm not going to lie, I was getting a little bit nervous. I understand that not a, a lot of people, if any, die from it. Again, except for those people who aren't licensed and have prepared it I think again within the last like 15 years I think it only said like 18 people have died and all of them were
0: I love how you yeah. know the number. Yeah, well, I Googled it
1: because I started to have a panic attack. So we ordered it. I was starting to get a little bit nervous. It came to the table eventually, and I had to mentally prep myself before I ate it. But then Brittany just went crazy. She It came to the table, and she ate it. I'm just like, oh, fuck. She's
3: all in. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I think that was after you said, you know what? I think I might just let this $5 go to waste. And then Brittany took her fork and took a bite first. And then you immediately took a bite after because it was your modern day Romeo and Juliet, and Jamal's like, well, Brittany can't die without me.
1: Yeah, I was like, I, it, I was like, if Britney I was like, if Brittany had it, I gotta have it now. But I like, I ate it before I finally mentally prepped myself because Brittany like rushed it, and beforehand <laughs> I had read some of the side effects of what happens, like if it's gonna kick in, and a lot of it is, you know, your mouth will go a little bit numb or tingly, and I swear to you, like after five minutes of like having a little bite <laughs> again, I get panic attacks and I self induce them myself. I started thinking like, man. My lips are numb, <laughs> I'm having a hard time breathing right now. And then I was like, you know what? I'm not even going to eat this. I gave the rest to Kasha and Ryan because God. Kasha and Ryan wanted to try it. But and they I didn't had my order second piece. It. And, you know, I'm like panicking. I really felt like when we were done with dinner and like on the subway, I was telling everybody, I was like, don't talk to me don't talk to me oh I, was like, my God. I, I need my own like <laughs> personal space being on the metro with all the people was giving me anxiety I got Different back to the hotel and I told Brittany she's like no you're fine like if it hasn't kicked in within two hours and it's just like I'm having a slow metabolism it's gonna take like extra amount of time <laughs> to like kick in I was like tell me I'm fine in the morning it's like right now I'm panicking I was, yeah, I so was so having a freak day, out yeah so the next day
2: I was like babe you survived the night you're good to go <laughs> no I could still be metabolizing it right now it might kick in late for me because <laughs> and,
3: and I remember the next morning seeing Jamal and Brittany at our free breakfast buffet and I was like oh my gosh Jamal you're fine because Jamal yelled at me the night before I was trying to give him advice because us Marusha's OCD and yes. panic attacks for you guys runs that, wild. that
0: aren't fully aware this is typical Jamal freaking out over some crazy shit and Zayna is usually not far behind him. Well, <laughs> Zayna is
1: mean, like, usually the one who's more freaking out. I'm usually more calm, <laughs> but I will say Zayna this. Zayna didn't eat any. I, I mean,
3: I, I, I wouldn't I called you guys because I thought I was having a heart attack or a stroke. I have been mean, like, like when you have anxiety Anxiety is real So I do feel for you on that Jamal Because it's very, very I had very nature intense. I thought
1: I was going to die
3: The mind isn't <laughs> The mind is very powerful So I was trying to talk to Jamal And Jamal was just not having it He didn't want me to talk to him He wanted to be alone So the next morning When I congratulated you On surviving the night <laughs> Brittany was telling me that You know Jamal was freaking out so she bad thought, no, That no, he no, said no, no. Well if you're having symptoms Would you not tell me Because you don't want to freak me out And I'm uh, just like
1: Brittany would do that <laughs> Brittany would do that
3: <laughs> We, we kind of have to filter ourselves around you. We don't want
0: uh,
2: things going I know. To your so head. that
1: so that was my fugu freak <laughs> and out. And then
2: he was like freaking out on me, like, why did you eat it when I wasn't ready? It's hilarious <laughs> because we always
0: make fun of Jamal for having freak outs on vacations. And for a long time before me and dana started traveling a lot with you guys, we would only hear them from Britney. And then we started seeing them on our own trip. So I wasn't but, on this but, trip.
1: But admit they're a lot more milder than Britney says they are.
0: Mm, it depends. But <laughs> but this was the I think I got a text from Brittany saying Jamal had a freak out it happened <laughs> <laughs>
3: I have a really good picture of them prior to eating the fugu so we'll post that on Instagram and I just gotta say that a week later when we were in Kyoto and we were sitting down at a conveyor belt sushi place they did have fugu and I remember looking at Jamal and asking him hey so are you gonna grab the, the raw fugu and he just like gave me a look that could kill the skull he was not having it Jamal is a one and done kind of fugu guy
2: you, did you know it, you're done. I'm like the type that's all in if I'm gonna go skydiving I want to be the one that jumps first if I'm gonna jump off a cliff I I'm going to be the one that does it first. I don't want to watch anyone else do it. I'm going to go all in and do it myself. So when the fugu came out, I was like, all right, it's my time to eat it. Pop it in. See what happens. Nothing happened.
1: It's a shame because it was actually pretty good. It just freaked me out a little bit. <laughs> I wish I ate more in hindsight. <laughs> <laughs> but so, even if I went back, I don't know if I would
2: eat anymore. Long story short, we Jamal survived the night. And the next morning, we had a full day booked to Mount Fuji. And we actually booked this excursion through Viator, which we've talked about before. Love Viator. And actually on our website, Zaina has created... Viator widgets with specific tours that we've done so that you can purchase them directly from our website. So check it out at TravelSquadPodcast.com. By the way, Zena's killing
0: the website game for us. She's been working tirelessly to bring you quality content, not only in our audios here, but on our website. So if you haven't checked it out, go check it out. It's beautiful.
3: Thank you, guys. Thanks. and You know what? I'm not humble either because I do text them and I just say toot toot. I love it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So go check out the Viators that we talk about on all our trips. You'll find this one here to Mount Fuji listed on there as well. So if you're planning your trip to Japan, definitely do this because I highly, highly recommend it.
2: Hey, squatties! we want to share one of our favorite travel products with you. Liquid IV is a category-winning hydration brand fueling your well-being while traveling.
1: One stick fits into 16 ounces of water to give you three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks and hydrates you two times faster than water alone. Their half-ounce hydration multiplier powder packet is the one product you need in every suitcase, carry-on, and day pack.
0: We use it while flying on planes because flights can be so dehydrating. We use it when we feel jet lagged, when we're out on a hike, and after a long night out that has us feeling worn out. In just one stick, you get five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C.
2: Liquid IV also now comes in 12 delicious and refreshing flavors to keep your hydration routine exciting. Our favorites are the lemon, lime, and tangerine with immune support.
1: It's made with premium ingredients, all non-GMO and gluten, dairy, and soy free. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use Travel Squad Podcast at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code Podcast at liquidiv.com.
0: Hey squaddies, let's take a quick detour to talk about our travel itineraries that we've created just for you.
1: We just launched several new international trip itineraries including Tulum and Japan. This is on top of the itineraries we already have for U.S. trips like the Hawaiian Island of Kauai, the U.S. Virgin Islands, as well as national park trip itineraries, including Utah's Mighty Five National Parks and a week at Grand Teton and Yellowstone.
2: These fully built out 20 to 30 page PDF guides are available for instant download on our site right now. Every detail of the trip is laid out for you. So all you have to do is download, book, show up and have fun. The itineraries tell you where to fly into, the exact route to take, where to stay,
0: park entrance prices, where to eat, driving distance between attractions, the things to see and do, even the hikes we recommend, their mileage, and the time to allot for each one. And believe it or not, so much more.
1: Be sure to head over to TravelSquadPodcast.com to download your very own comprehensive travel itinerary today. So we knew we wanted to go to Mount Fuji if we were going to Japan anyway, and Mount Fuji, famous in Japanese lore, history, it's their most active and famous volcano in all of Japan, and we were going to go regardless, but when we were talking with Kasha and Ryan and figuring out our itinerary and what we wanted to do, Kasha was like, you know what, whatever, I know you can make a good one, Brittany, but the one thing that Ryan specifically wants to do is Mount Fuji. So we're like, done that's already on our list too so we went but this tour was amazing it included a bus ride from tokyo to mount fuji we were able to go up to it and it also included lunch and a tour of lake ashi and we were able to ride a boat and that lake is at the foot of mount fuji and you could see amazing views of it and everything like that and so why don't you tell us a little bit more about the trip
2: So the only part that we were able to get to, it was called the fifth station because we went in January and in Japan, January is very, very cold. So there is a stopping point of how far you can go up Mount Fuji in the summer. You can actually hike the whole thing if you want to. And once we got off the bus, it was so cold. We were all freezing just trying to get cold. We talking?
1: Kim, you would have freaked out. Yeah. <laughs> how, how, I, how, how I acted for the fugu, you would have acted for the cold at Mount Fuji.
2: The saving grace was there was a bathroom up at the fifth station and their toilet seats were heated and we were like probably sitting on them extra just to get warm. <laughs> I You know,
3: and I, I remember seeing that we had bathrooms there and I thought to myself, there's no fucking way they're going to have heated toilet seats up here on the fifth station in Mount Fuji and... Those toilet seats were warm.
2: They also had a little gift shop at the top. And when you walked in, they gave you this little bell that like symbolized good luck. And I actually still have it.
1: I still have that bell too. And in that gift shop, they had little space heaters. So a lot of people were going in there and standing around the space heaters while they were doing gift shopping and everything like that. But when we're saying the stations, we're talking about different levels up the volcano and mountain itself. So... You can go up via car, via bus, and again, as Brittany said, during the right season you can actually hike. But it's crazy because when you see Mount Fuji from a distance, it looks. Oh, are you shaking that bell? It's you carry bell. your good luck bell I on do. you. I do.
3: I do. That you didn't bell. just bring
1: it for the episode. Wow. You really, really carry that on you. No,
3: it's in my big puffy black jacket. Because remember one time we went someplace and you were like, Zena, are you are you ringing? Do you have a bell? <laughs> it's... The bell from Mount Fuji. Uh, very nice. Good
1: good was in it carries it for good luck. So again. Those stations are at different levels up the volcano. And when we say station, I would equate it to just little rest areas for like views and certain spots on the mountain. But again, it's so crazy because when you're at it from a distance or at the base, it looks so huge. And when we were at the fifth station, we could see the top. But I thought to myself, this doesn't even look that big, but I know it's huge. So as perspective, when you're on it, it gets small, but you can see down and it's just amazing to be on it.
2: Yeah, the better views of Mount Fuji are when you're actually not on it. When you're on it, it's cool that you're on it and you're there, but the views aren't that amazing. So just squad tip there. But one of the things that we also did is we stopped for lunch. We had a traditional lunch, which consisted of a soba noodle hot pot. And Whoa. then it had sides like seaweed and fermented veggies and fish and Zana's favorite sardines. Mm. I s- saved those
3: for the last. And then I realized how not good they were. So I gave them to Brittany's mom. Uh, okay. she, she loved them. Yeah,
0: she
2: did. <laughs> soba noodle noodle hot pot. Explain to me so it was an individual soup, but underneath it, it had like a candle that was lit to keep it warm. Okay. So it wasn't like a bowl in the middle of the table. No, it was like your own oh. personal pre-lit hot pot. Yeah. So it was wow.
1: soba noodles and broth and like a few veggies and obviously Japanese seasoning and flavors. It was definitely really good. A lot of the side dishes, again, were, you know, like seaweed chips, some fermented veggies and fish. So, I mean, that's definitely an acquired taste for some people, but it was very, very traditional traditional. traditional and at a traditional Japanese restaurant.
0: For somebody that doesn't like seafood, how easy would it be to visit Japan?
1: I think it would be easy because you could eat like a lot of ramen or they have their chicken katsu and other types of dishes and curries and you can avoid, you know, fish and other things that way. We were having this conversation though because Brittany's sister is gluten intolerant and has celiac. I don't think you can visit Japan (laughs) and eat a lot of food if you have that. But if you want to avoid fish, you could definitely easily do that in Japan.
2: Also, it would be very, very hard as a vegan because Deja, my niece who went on the trip with us, she primarily did vegetarian, As much as she could, but she definitely couldn't do vegan and even vegetarian was stretching it. A lot of the broths that they have are pork based and it's very hard to substitute out. So she found it difficult to be vegan, more doable, vegetarian, but still very difficult.
1: Yeah. And also with our tour after lunch, we were going to go to Hakone, which is a national park that they have really close to Mount Fuji, and they have cable cars that go up. So originally, we rode that boat on Lake Ashi, which is at the foot of Mount Fuji, and from there, it gets us to the cable cars at Hakone, and you're supposed to have an amazing view from the top of the lake and Mount Fuji, but it was so cloudy at the top that we couldn't really see more than 10 feet in front of our face. So we got the novelty of riding the cable car, but just going and January, again, colder weather, more clouds. It was difficult for that view. So if you go during a better time of year, you'll probably get a better view than we did when you visit Hakone if you do this Viator tour.
3: Did Brittany lose something? Yeah, so they are going to give you a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I couldn't wait for this part, again. So they are going to give you a ticket to get up and you are going to need that ticket to get down. So as soon as we're ready to get down, all of a sudden Brittany's freaking out because she's like, oh my God, where's the ticket? Where's the ticket? Where's the ticket? And yes... Britney <gasps> lost her and Jamal's ticket. And so <laughs> Kasha and Ryan ended up finding an extra ticket on the trail and brought it back. That Whoa. was
2: mine. I know. That is
3: going in the books. That was <laughs> a
1: big Britney fuck up
3: yeah I know it
0: doesn't happen often so when it does I gotta make it a big deal
2: yeah. <laughs> but you guys get so pissed at me when I call you guys out on your fuck ups <laughs> well let's see that's just too frequent you know? I know I mean like if you're making can't ten take mistakes it. a day you don't have to rub
3: it in our face
2: <laughs> <laughs> but on this tour as well it was included for us to take the bullet train back to Tokyo and this was our first bullet train experience how fast is the bullet train
3: Kim when we were On the rail station, waiting for it, and all of a sudden a train comes. You try to whip out your phone to even take a picture because it's so amazing. And by the time you pull your phone out, it's gone. Not joking. No one got it the first time because it went too fast before you could actually pull out your camera.
1: Yeah. And I'm going to tell you exactly how fast it goes here in a second to answer your question. But when you're in the station, they don't slow down as they come through if they're not stopping there, uh-huh. so you can really feel the wind pressure. You know, sometimes if you're driving and a big rig passes mm-hmm. you, you can feel that wind and kind of that jerk in the steering wheel and your vehicle. I can't even describe what you feel when that train comes through I'm and it doesn't slow down so fast. That. And you're just like, whoa! It's like a shock wave coming through the station.
0: Uh, so I've experienced that in Italy. They have trains that don't stop, but I don't think they were bullet trains. It can't be as fast as what you guys are talking no. about. No.
1: Okay. So they're bullet trains. Their fastest ones go 320 kilometers per hour, which is roughly 200 miles per hour. Wow. So super, super fast. And I'm telling you, they do not slow down coming through the station. Does
3: it feel very intense when you're on it?
1: No, not at all. Actually,
3: you look out and you're like, oh, I can't even believe we're going that fast.
1: And when you're on the train, you It is luxury, so much space to sit down, so much space from the seats in front of you. And you can actually rotate your seat to turn around because depending on, you know, if it goes to one station and then it turns around the other way, you know, you may or may not want to ride backwards. So the seats actually swivel to turn if you want to turn.
2: Yeah. So you can swivel to turn towards each other. And then each seat has like a tray table drop down like an airplane would. So you can put your drinks. And at each of the stations, they have a place to get snacks or beers to take with you on the train. We would buy you. dollar
1: beers and drink beer on the train all the time.
2: They have <laughs> a you can
1: drink beer
0: on the
2: train.
1: Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh.
2: we did. They have sockets so that you can charge your phone. And then there is. Oh, what kind of plugs are they? U.S. style? They are U.S. style. Oh, perfect. So you
0: don't
3: need any kind of converter then if you're coming from the US. You do not. I just want to say this was in 2019 while I was doing my oath of sobriety. So when Jamal (laughs) and Ryan were drinking their beers, I was not.
1: Sorry for you on not being able to drink during your Oath of Sobriety, Zaina. But yes, you know, it shocked me because I had no clue. I thought, OK, going to Japan, they're going to have, you know, foreign outlets. But they didn't. They had the American style ones, So really crazy. So you don't need those when you're there.
2: Good. In fact, Zena had her first freak out in Japan while we were on a bullet train. No. What happened? You you were getting sick. <laughs> you had your earache and then you were switching well, back and is forth. Zaina
1: not sick on a vacation. <laughs> (laughs) You know, as (laughs) much as you guys say Jamal freaks out on every vacation, when is Zayna not sick on a vacation? Okay, I do
3: get sick a little bit right now because I'm in transition with everything that I'm doing and it's a lot of stress and so my body is clearly trying to tell me something and I get that because it's not natural to get sick that often. So whatever. Okay, I am getting sick. It wasn't actually an ear infection though. Once I came back and did see the doctor, it was that I had water behind my eardrum and that was driving me crazy.
2: But it does not mean you did not have the freak out on the train. What happened with the freak (laughs) out?
3: Honestly, all I was doing was (laughs) complaining about my ear and I couldn't figure out like what was wrong because I had amoxicillin and it wasn't working because I thought it was an ear infection. So why isn't amoxicillin working? And it's because I had water behind my eardrums, which God knows how I got water behind my eardrums. She
1: pulled the Jamal Fugu experience. So So as um, much as I thought you were going to die. No, no, no. But as much as I didn't want anyone to talk to me when I was freaking out, Brittany was trying to treat reage and figure out what's going on. What are your symptoms? And- no, Zana-
2: this is what happened. Zaina told us she was taking one antibiotic and there's three nurses on the trip. Myself, Kasia and my mom. All three of us are nurses. And Zaina said, you know what? The amoxicillin wasn't working. I'm going to switch. And she did switch to another different antibiotic. And I said self-diagnosing. Yeah, she's self-diagnosing, taking two antibiotics back to back. And I was like, that's not what you want to do. That's how you're going to create a super bug. And then Zana freaked. Out and went to a different section of the train to have her lone freak out and wouldn't talk to us for the remainder of the train ride. I don't really remember this, truly,
3: truly, truly. <laughs> I do remember the water behind my eardrum, but it's such a vague memory that if they didn't bring this up to drag me through the mud, then I wouldn't have even remembered it.
1: It's vague because it <laughs> happens every time. How are you supposed to distinguish it must be which told. one? <laughs>
3: my question is, though, did you continue taking both antibiotics? I don't even know what the other antibiotics, because all I know is that I had amoxicillin, so honestly, I'm not too familiar with what Brittany's talking about. You What's had, the other had antibiotic Cipro that I had? Still from, You had Cipro. Uh, You're just like, fuck Husto. it, I'm going to take it all and hope it works. Did I? I don't know, because I mean, I had an un- Opened package of Cipro that I took with me to Lebanon, which in I times, did need.
0: In these trying times, anybody could become a nurse or a doctor when needed. You know, look at me in Peru when you got sick and I nursed you back to health <laughs> in the middle of
3: the night.
2: And All I had was. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Tums is my best friend.
2: So moving (laughs) on from our first bullet train experience in Zaina's Freakout, one of the things that we wanted to do because Japan is known for their food and the culinary experience. And in Japan, they actually have Michelin star ramen. And it's the world's first Michelin star ramen that we went to. And it's called Suta Japanese Soba Noodles.
1: So we knew we definitely wanted to do this. Brittany and I are more the foodies of the group in general. I would say even between us and the squad and in general of all our friends that I know, Brittany and I love to eat food, love to try different things. And so in terms of Michelin-starred restaurants, when you go places, they're usually expensive. And ramen in Japan, depending on where you go, costs anywhere between, you know, 8 to $13 in terms of the conversion. But here at Suta, it was about 20 Five dollars for a bowl of ramen, which is expensive, but for Michelin-starred food, relatively. Easy inexpensive so it's almost labeled as the cheapest place to get michelin-starred food so we were like all right japan's famous for ramen in general let's have michelin-starred ramen it's in tokyo so we did our research and found out that you had to actually put your name on a wait list in order to eat there because as we were saying earlier in the tip section a lot of restaurants are hole-in-the-wall places only fit anywhere sometimes between 7 to 12 people this was definitely one of them so we got there in the morning. They open at 7am. You have to put a thousand yen deposit down to put your name on the list.
0: Do people eat ramen for breakfast?
2: Yes, but this place wasn't open that early for serving people. It was open that early because they're prepping their kitchen and they want you to put a deposit down for the lunch or dinner hour. So
1: that thousand yen that you put down, it gets you a time slot to return and they give the time slots in order for the day based on what's available uh, and what they actually have left. I've read stuff online that basically even says if you go and you get there sometimes at nine or nine thirty, they're already out of slots for the day. So that thousand yen deposit applies towards your meal when you go. So it's not a deposit and then you have to pay more. It applies towards your meal.
0: Did you guys see any takeout in Tokyo? Could you have gotten this Michelin star ramen to go? Negative. No. no. Negative. Really the only nowhere. Real, the only
1: real takeout that I saw is that if you're going to do fast food in terms of actual restaurants, not really a thing.
3: Okay.
2: It's a sit-down culture. Yeah. The Japanese also don't eat while they're walking. Like they sit down and have a meal. It's very disrespectful to disrespectful
1: eat. to eat and walk and
2: really eat and walk. Yeah. Really. So it's very interesting. But we did go to the Suta Japanese. Soba noodles. We put our deposit down. We got little tickets for our time slot. And just another squad tip is even though you go as a big group and you go there showing up as a group, you are likely not to be seated together because in their restaurant, there was only nine seats available. So they would call in like two or three at a time to have this Michelin star ramen experience. And even though it's like michelin star restaurant you're still ordering your ramen through a vending machine
1: (laughs) yeah and so obviously we put our name on the list it was later in the afternoon that we were set to come back so we didn't just really hang around there we put our name on the list did other stuff but to avoid coming back talking about suta japanese soba noodles we ended up ordering what they're most famous for which is their miso ramen with fresh truffle and seasoned egg it has a roast pork topping it was absolutely delicious and this is what I would recommend that you guys get if you go there.
3: And when we say you order through a vending machine, it's not like something comes out of the vending machine. It's more of you don't have a menu. The vending machine itself is your menu. So it's going to tell you your style of broth and what you actually want, chicken or this or that. And then once you choose what you want, you put in the money because it'll tell you how much it is and then it'll give you a ticket and then you give the ticket to them when you go into the restaurant. And so based on what's on your ticket ticket is what they will prepare for you, so you get your ticket, give it to them, and then you get your food. So you don't have to worry about the check afterwards, and there are no substitutions.
0: Okay. Couple questions. If you were to order water as your beverage, is it something you have to pay for?
3: No.
1: No. It's not like Europe where that's the case. That's actually a really good question, you know. In Europe, if you order, they charge you for bottled water, Uh and that's what they bring. Not in Japan. We were able to just get glasses of water, like, here in the United States. Okay.
3: And then how is tipping?
1: No tipping.
3: That's rude, yeah. No tipping. No tipping in Japan. It's rude. Mm -hmm. So the majority of the places, pretty much every place that you go ramen-wise, you will order out of a vending machine, you will give your ticket, and then you don't have to deal with the bill, and you don't have to deal with tipping, and they usually have water on the table, too. Yeah, Yeah. You
1: pay in advance through the vending machine. It's your ordering process, so your waiter just really brings it to you and refills your drinks if that's what you want.
0: Could you drink the water from the faucet in general, or did you need to buy water?
1: We bought bottled water just because we were on the go, but you can drink from their faucets. Wow. The, it is clean water. In terms of their taste, I don't know. We didn't really try it because, again, we were on the go throughout the entire day that we were just buying bottled water so that we had water when we needed it. But again, we did that later in the afternoon eating it. Obviously, we got our reservations in the it? morning. It was amazing. It was delicious. <laughs> it was amazing. It's still the best ramen that ten. i've ever had oh uh, yeah i'm not even exaggerating ten because it is better than b-shock star- in san diego Bishock. way
2: better than b-shock <laughs> <Yes>. i
3: really <laughs> like minya in san diego and i think that that tasted better than the michelin star
1: well mm-hmm. you ordered the wrong stuff i don't think you got the truffles Zana
2: yeah we, we all have differing opinions but best ramen i've ever had but
1: yes minya sorry Brittany. but yes minya is good b-shock trash kim what that
3: out
2: there. Oh, listen, that's bullshit. You know what?
0: This is actually just a little sneak preview because we are coming out soon with our favorite places to eat in San Diego episode. B Shock's going to be on it. And we're all going to talk trash on
1: it and say Minya's better.
0: <laughs> I'm a ramen connoisseur and that shit is bomb. Oh, because you've been to Japan. I don't need to. I traveled far and wide of San Diego ramen and I know it. It's locked down.
2: So while we were waiting for our ramen time slot, we went to the Imperial. Imperial Palace grounds and it's free entrance. You can't see the Imperial Palace itself. This is the garden area only. And there's actually an option to have a free walking tour app that will walk you through the gardens and give you information along the way. So I had downloaded that while we were there with the pocket Wi-Fi, and I was our little tour guide through the gardens.
1: Yeah, you know, I know I mentioned this earlier when we were talking about the Fugu and I said even the Japanese emperor is not allowed to have it. Not a lot of people realize that they still have a monarchy in Japan. Instead of calling them king or queen, it's the emperor or empress. So if you were in London, you would go to Buckingham Palace and at least look at it, right? So if you're in Japan, why would you not go to the Imperial Palace and Imperial Gardens. At least that's the way that I looked at it. So like Brittany said, you can't really tour the palace Itself and by the palace, I really mean the home, but they have the surrounding gardens of the palace. And you know, we always hear Japanese tea gardens, etc., things like that. So they have it on their palace grounds. They have beautiful koi ponds, beautiful bonsai tree section areas. There was even one spot that I really liked where in Japan they have what's called prefectures, which are our versions of states, right? Instead of states, they call them prefectures. They had a specific area of the garden where they had a unique Tree to each prefecture. So, really unique to see. Koi ponds, beautiful. And it was just amazing to really be there and think, like, wow, this like palace has been here for, you know, hundreds of years.
2: So, it was definitely worth checking out. You can spend hours inside of the gardens. There's so much to do and see. Old buildings are in there as well. About how long would you say you stayed?
1: I would say maybe an hour to an hour and a half.
3: Yeah, I would say the same. The one thing about the Imperial Palace grounds that I was not expecting is in the bathrooms there are no toilet seat heaters (gasps) i was shocked to me
1: in all hotels, on the metros, on the subways. The everywhere fifth
3: station you... of Mount Fuji.
1: <laughs> yeah. Everywhere you go, toilet seat warmers and bidets. And yet I would imagine in the Imperial Palace Gardens that their restrooms would have it. No. No bidet? No.
3: Because once a year. Just on regular
1: the... toilets. That's the only regular toilets squatty that we potty? saw in Japan. Not no squatty mm-hmm. potty. Regular toilet.
3: And very cold water to wash your hands. Because every year on the king's birthday, he comes out and he waves at all the people. And it was just so shocking that all the people come here to see the king and he doesn't warm the toilet seats for them wow
2: (laughs) so after the imperial palace we went back and had our ramen like we said it was delicious and then after we did that we went to visit the harajuku area and the harajuku area is a quirky vintage clothing store and cosplay shop area in tokyo Anime kind of stuff. Yeah. Anime,
1: character dress up. And just even if you're not dressed up as a character, quirky sense of fashion, just like crazy Um. hair, crazy clothes. I imagine if people aren't familiar with Japan, probably where they've heard Harajuku is if they're thinking Gwen Stefani and her song, she talks about Harajuku girls. It's talking about really all them dressing up, their cosplay, their style, their uniqueness of it. So it's a very famous area to go to. Lots of shops and it's super crowded. We even saw... Some people dressed up doing some sort of weird dance on escalators going up into a mall. <laughs> like, I don't even know how to describe what I saw. It was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen in my life. But yet yeah, so intriguing.
3: We have a video. We'll put it on Instagram.
2: They also have tons of crepe shops. They have like dessert crepes, not savory crepes. So Jamal and I got one that was like a crepe with strawberry and vanilla and ice cream. And it was delicious. And the lines are huge to get all of these crepes and they have so many different combinations and different styles that you can try
0: i gotta say crepes really transcend countries like every country you go to bam Bam. bam
1: got a crepe,
3: a crepe. bam
0: <laughs> <laughs> truly
2: yeah
1: and they had them there they had like giant cotton candies crepes unite people yeah yeah it was just <laughs> really weird but I definitely did enjoy Harajuku I mean you could spend a lot of time there if you want just people watching seeing the shops but we really went to go visit have the food and kind of get out of there we didn't spend too much time there one spot of notable interest for me that I found to be unique and our niece Deja actually pointed this out they have a a Condomania, where it's a shop specifically selling condoms. Uh,
0: that's what I was and, wondering and if that's se- what you were going and like with. <laughs>
1: sex toy stuff, but not really toys, but like playing cards, playing dice. But all their condoms are either like flavored, glow in the dark, like extra ribbed, <laughs> super like crazy like off brand stuff. No, I just went in to go peek it out. I shouldn't just say I went in. We all went in to go peek Even it your out. your
2: mom, pretty Yeah, my mom went in too. She's she like, "How are people
1: out? using this? How are people using that?" No, I don't know. I'm
3: just She bought a few things.
2: (laughs) Wouldn't be surprised. (laughs) So that was, like, main Tokyo stuff that we went. But let's be honest. Who didn't go on this trip to also go to Disneyland Tokyo?
1: Well, that was one of the main reasons for me to go on this Japan trip is because... As we've talked about before, bucket list item for Brittany and I to go to all of the Disney parks throughout the world. I and think
2: that's one for Kasha and Ryan, too. Yeah,
1: and they have the Tokyo Disney parks. I'm and
2: so excited
0: to hear about this. Yeah. I've been to Shanghai Disney with you guys. And Wild. that was top of the line. How does this one compare?
1: So very good question. We actually split our days because they have two parks over there in Tokyo. They have their regular Tokyo Disneyland and they have their Tokyo Disney Sea Park. So one day we did regular Tokyo Disneyland. The other day we did Tokyo Disney DisneySea. Their Tokyo Disneyland, I mean, it's great because if you love Disney, you're going to love it. But it was really crowded and nothing there was truly unique compared to any of the other Disney parks. Oh, was the Pirates. Uh, not as cool as Shanghai. That's exactly mm-hmm. what I was going to say. I still think Shanghai Disney is still my favorite Disney park that I've been to. Obviously, Disneyland here in California holds a special place in my heart. It's the original. It's our local one. but. But in terms of Tokyo Disney, it was fun, but nothing special. The only thing special I would say about it is they have a really cool Winnie the Pooh ride. And you could say to yourself, how can Winnie the Pooh be really cool? Let me tell you something. Badass. fucking amazing <laughs> as badass as we talked about pirates of the caribbean being at shanghai disney this is how cool the fucking winnie the pooh why well, was Tokyo winnie disney. the
0: pooh so cool in japan
1: so disney has created what they call a trackless ride system where there is no designated track the whole ground of the ride is magnetic so every time you go in it's going to be random now they have the same scenery that you're really going to look at but how your vehicle moves where it goes what it focuses on is always random and different every time. So the other Winnie the Pooh rides that we've been on, you know, it's on a track. It just follows through. It's plain. This one is on their trackless system and it's intense. It like goes (laughs) in different places, does like spinning around in just random directions. And they have one spot where they put you in front of Tigger and they make the thing actually legit Uh, bounce, bounce. like up and down. I don't know how to describe it other than it's just wild. Yeah. So
2: Winnie the Pooh wasn't originally like on our top to do rides so we kind of saved it for a last and it was one of the highlights of being at Tokyo Disneyland did you do Dumbo
1: I don't think we did Dumbo at Tokyo Disneyland, no. I mean, we were trying to ride the big ones. And in general, the one in California and the other ones, we love the Winnie the Pooh, no doubt. But I had no clue it was gonna be like this. And Kasia and Ryan didn't necessarily want to ride it. They wanted to do something else in the interim. And so we waited in line because it was about 45, 50 minutes. It was actually a long wait for it. And when we got off, we told them, no, seriously, you guys need to ride this. This is like exceptional cool and so they ended up riding it after that fact too because they're like okay if they're raving about it and they ended yeah. up loving it too it was awesome
2: yeah so I have a few things to say about Disneyland Tokyo itself so like Jamal said earlier we stayed in the Kasai district and in that area next to the metro station there was a bus stop and there was a bus that specifically took you to and from Disneyland from that area also We bought our tickets online for two days, one park each day it cost approximately at the time $120 so about $60 per park per day which is super cheap great com- deal yeah great deal in comparison to the United States it was very difficult to purchase online it would give us like prompts saying that we needed visa verified and a whole bunch of stuff we went through like three different credit cards before it finally went through and Kasha was never able to get it to go through online as an online purchase and had to buy it in person also Disneyland is super super crowded even before you even get there the lines are crazy so I do recommend getting to the park about an hour before opening just to wait in line because it's just that busy were people running
1: You know, I don't really remember. I don't really think so because they're excited over there. But like I was saying, just in general about the Japanese culture, which shout out, I love it. They're really respectful. So it's not like it's running and, oh, I'm getting there first. F you, get out of my way. If they're running, it's kind of like with, you know, just giddy excitement, but it's not constant. It's really respectful out there. So everyone's waiting in a calm line. But again, if you're not there early, like we got there an hour before it opened just to be kind of at the front of the line when they open we did everything that we wanted to do but it really took all day because we stayed the entire day and rode the last ride that we wanted to ride at closing so super super crowded
2: and like we said earlier japan's not a culture where you can get food and then eat it in line no one's eating in line on the go so you would get food and you would have to eat it there and then go to the next destination you want to go to the next ride you want to go to did they have corn dogs
1: Unfortunately not It's like an American thing And Disneyland is famous for one specific spot Where they have an amazing corn dog Definitely didn't have it at Tokyo Disneyland They did
2: have seafood pizza Kim Did you
0: get
1: it? Ryan got it and he loved it.
2: If they had duck, I might have been down. They did have (laughs) duck on a pizza.
1: I'm pretty sure they did.
2: (laughs) The highlight for the food for me was they had Toy Story Alien Mochi Balls. And the mochi balls were filled with different flavors. They had vanilla, chocolate, strawberry, They had like a lemon lemon curd. curd. That lemon curd one was amazing. so good. We'll definitely post pictures. I loved the Toy Story Alien Mochi.
1: It was super good. But you know, as exciting as it was, truly, there's not a lot of difference between Tokyo Disneyland to any of the other Disney ones. I would say the most unique Disneyland park itself would be Shanghai. So nothing unique, but definitely worth going to. But the next day we went to Tokyo Disney Sea, and this is the one that I was the most excited about. And I was getting my Disney geek on for it because I've read constantly and heard constantly that this is the best themed disney park and by themed i mean just in terms of general scenery around the park so it's called disney sea and it has a nautical theme so each land is a unique port area. So the entrance to the park is set up to look like Venice for example. Italy? Yes. Aww. And then one of the other areas is set up to look like American waterfront. So it has a 1920s like East Coast America theme to it. There's another area that's Arabian Coast. Then their center attraction area is a mythical volcano like Island Land and things like that. So the whole park you can walk anywhere you need to go but a lot of their transportation to get from one area to the other. You take boats, whether they be canals or steamboats or other things like that. And it's really, really cool.
0: Did they have a log ride?
1: They did not have a log ride, but I'll tell you what they did have. They had a ride called Journey to the Center of the Earth. That's probably one of the fucking coolest rides I've ever been on.
2: Legit, one of the coolest rides ever. What was it ever. Like? It was very interesting. So like you're in this cart, you feel like you're going down into the center of the earth and you're seeing all of these creatures that we've never seen before that look
1: they're like fluorescent lit up with black light they're like purples and blues and reds yeah. and all these and, and greens then- all these vibrant like black colored lights i don't mean to cut you off Brittany, but the center <laughs> land, yeah, so no, yeah I know, i'm getting my disney geek on <laughs> the center land is that volcano so the ride itself is as if you are journeying to the center of the volcano and you're in like a little mining cart and that cart is what's going through the volcano it's And then you discover a mythical land like buried beneath the volcano.
2: And there's gemstones that are lit up with these fluorescent lights that the critters are crawling over. So it looks like you're in this very beautiful mythical mine. And the creatures are like life-size. Their bugs are like the size of you. Are they... you
1: say scary or something like that? (laughs) They're not really scary, but the finale, you do come across a big mythical creature who is scary. And that's when the ride gets intense Because then it speeds up and then you launch out of the volcano at the end. And it's really, really intense and really, really cool.
2: So I do recommend riding this ride first. When we got into this park, the girls all rushed to this area to save a spot in line while the boys went to get fast passes for Toy Story Mania. That ride, the Japanese go crazy for it and there's a huge wait. So Jamal and Ryan went to go get the fast passes while the girls held down the line and we ended up riding Journey to the Center of the Earth twice. Amazing.
3: So
1: they have the Toy Story Mania ride here in the United States and other parks, but in Japan they really, really love it. It's relatively new, not super new, but relatively new to Tokyo Disney Sea. But they still average wait times of three and a half to four hours oh just God. to even ride it. And so I read online that if you don't get a Fast Pass from the beginning, you're either going to wait in line or you're not going to ride it at all. And one of the cool things about Disney parks is as long as the park is officially open let's just say the hours are from like 8 to 11 p.m. You can get into the line at 11 o'clock and it doesn't matter how long it takes. As long as you're in the line, they'll allow you to ride it. But Toy Story Mania over there is not one of those. They actually close the line early because it lasts for so long that you're not really staying in the park like three hours past the time. So we knew we wanted to ride it. Ryan and I rushed over there to get the fast passes while the girls were kind of like saving a spot at the entrance for us to get to journey to the center of the earth.
2: Yeah, and there's a few things that I want to talk about for Disneyland. In Tokyo Sea that makes it unique. Does anyone know what Duffy Bear is? No. So Duffy Bear is one of the newest Disney characters, and it really didn't land in the United States or anywhere else in the world, but it is super popular in Japan. And the Japanese take it very seriously. People have Duffy Bear backpacks, Duffy Bear purses, Duffy Bear bears, and Duffy Bear has friends as well. So (laughs) while we were in line for getting into the park, we saw people with wagons, strollers, backpacks filled with Duffy Bear and Duffy Bear's friends. And throughout this park, there are Duffy photo points where you can place your bear and their friends and get little photo photo shoots. shoots of (laughs) <laughs> of your stuffed animals did you get
1: one no we didn't get one kasha was really interested in it and went into a store to see how much it cost and their smallest bear was like 70 bucks wasn't it and
2: she got one. Oh my god did she get one she i don't remember her 70? getting one
1: i could i don't remember i just remember it was an outrageous price and i thought to myself like man that's more expensive than the ticket to get in the park <laughs> if i remember it correctly like it was expensive that's how popular it is over there
2: but everyone was focused on getting duffy to these photo points no one was really riding the ride. So we were able to ride several rides multiple times. And we actually finished this park early in the day.
1: Yeah, it's not as crowded as their regular Disneyland. The only exception to like really, really long line, I would say is the Toy Story ride. But another unique thing about Tokyo Disney Sea is they have flavored popcorn in different areas of the park. So you know, here, like we'll just either have regular popcorn or caramel corn or something like that. And you probably get it in the same spot it's one of their things to do where you go to different locations in the park and they only have one flavor in one specific spot so if you want strawberry flavored you have to go all the way to the end if you want the chocolate it's in this spot if you want the garlic shrimp flavored it's in that spot so really different unique well i'll tell you what that garlic shrimp smelled amazing definitely didn't taste as good as i was expecting it to but just smelling like strawberry flavored popcorn and oh my god gosh, it was so, so good. So that's one of the unique things there. But in terms of it being a well-themed park in terms of their design and aesthetic looks, I have to say I'm not disappointed and I really do believe it in terms of just visually appealing. It's probably the prettiest Disney park that I've been to. And I've been to them all except for Hong Kong. (laughs)
2: So. (laughs) So that pretty much sums up our time that we spent in Tokyo. Anyone have any final thoughts?
3: it was amazing go to tokyo i mean just wow i do kind of wish that i went do you i I do i'm disappointed
1: that you didn't go kevin you would have had a really good time it was fun i will say this as my last final thought you know, we talked about the Disney parks the last few days, but the highlights that we did, such as, you know, going up Tokyo Tower, going to Shibuya, the Hedgehog Cafe, the Imperial Gardens, there's a lot to do in Tokyo. And unless you spend your whole trip in Japan, just in Tokyo, you're probably not gonna do it all. We did other things too, but these were our main highlights. And I would definitely recommend doing these things, or if not all of them, at least adding the majority of them to your itinerary one in Tokyo.
0: All right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. Keep the adventures going by following us on Instagram at Travel Squad Podcast and our brand new YouTube page at
3: Travel Squad Podcast. And if you found the information in this episode to be useful or you thought we were just plain funny, please share it with a friend that would enjoy it too.
1: Please subscribe, rate and review our podcast and tune in every Travel Tuesday. For new episodes.
2: Keep your bags packed because next week we are taking you with us on a bullet train to Kyoto and Osaka, Japan.
1: Ooh, I'm excited.
2: Bye, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.